When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bloody Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going? I'm doing very well, my friend. I uh, I put my hand on a freezing cold lamppost every day and it burnt. And I wondered if I had any salt for that burn. I don't know. Oh. It works in my head, but I didn't touch a dirty lamppost. Don't worry about that, guys. Uh, I do. <laughs> Poor puns aside, doing very, very well, my friend. Looking forward to diving into tonight's film, a film which really don't know what JB thinks about it, and you know, it's, it's causing ripples across the film community. But the one opinion I need is John Burke's. But uh, we'll get to that shortly. I'm doing okay, though, my friend. It's Christmas jumper week over in the UK. Certainly at work, I've, I'm staring at my Christmas jumper now. It's the new Ghostbusters one. It's a new numbskull Ghostbusters Christmas jumper. It looks great. I'll send you a picture off air, JB. So okay. I'm going to be staring at that the whole time and th- and hit listening to your voice in my ears. So what could be better whilst we talk film? But before we do that, how are you? Are you keeping Florida safe and well? Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's starting to feel a little like Christmas. It's We've had a warm front, as Florida does. Um, and today was like the first taste of cold weather since Thanksgiving. So I'm hoping that it's going to actually... Get, you know, get chilly uh, before I, we still have several weeks to Christmas. Of course, folks, we are recording this on December 5th. You might be listening to this on December 5th or 6th or 7th. But, um, you know, uh, for me, it's it's about that time for Christmas vacation. And so I'm, I'm like, you know, all my classes are kind of winding down. I'm getting emails and some thank you, some, you know, FUs and, you know, those things because college students, you know, they're like stressing out. Some are done. Some are like, oh, this was easy. And others are like, oh, my God, this was the hardest class ever. Um, I don't try to make it hard, mind you. It's just it's some people are really comfortable with computers and other people are not. And it definitely uh, and taking an online class when you're not comfortable with computers is a double the challenge, right? Like it's it's a lot to overcome. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also uh, like swimming in FYC uh, movies. I've been like <laughs> watching stuff like crazy um, where like on Saturday, uh, my wife and I went um, to a Christmas, uh, like it was supposed to be a Christmas outdoor activity thing. It didn't really feel Christmassy in any way, but it was at this, uh, we'd never been, to, it was almost an hour and 20 minutes away. 
uh, this pioneer museum, right? Like they had all these old buildings and then they had, it was supposed to be again, a Christmas festival. Nothing about it felt like Christmas to me. I was a little <laughs> bummed by that, but, um, Oh, I did. I was like, I was, I thought, Oh, this isn't my, uh, my bloody awesome. So I'll share it now. And I just remembered a major part of what happened there is my bloody awesome. So I'll hold that detail for now. Um, but, uh, we, I don't know what it was, if it was the drive or if it was just being outside. Cause it was, again, it, it was like nine, it wasn't 90 degrees, but it kind of felt like it was a 90 degree day. Cause it'd been cold for weeks beforehand. And then it just wasn't. Um, and we was outside and we were walking around and then we, we went to a restaurant that was like way too crowded and very nice waitress, but she was not good at the same time. You know, like you couldn't be mad at her cause she was friendly and nice, but like, you're also like, get me the napkins you promised me like where are the napkins lady are you making them like um and by the time we got home saturday i was like exhausted like i went to bed at like 10 o'clock on a saturday i don't go to bed at 10 o'clock on a normal night much less do i usually on a saturday dream though for for two guys who go to bed very late it does sound a dream but so i was just like you know what i'm tired i'm not gonna watch a movie i was out all day um but then i watched three movies on sunday so like it, it balances out so like it's just so many movies to catch up on. Uh, I'll talk about several of them briefly uh, because there's just too many to go into detail with. Um, and, uh, you know, getting ready for awards because on the 15th, uh, the vote opens up for the uh, Central Florida, sorry, the Critics Association of Central Florida. And I want to make sure I have covered all of my bases. Um, and, you know, one of the bonuses of being a critic is we get a lot of, you know, we don't make money doing this really, but uh, some do. do. Some out there make some money. We don't. Uh, I'd love to. If anyone wants to pay us, that'd be incredible. But um, we get swag, though, and I, I do like the swag. And today I got a Barbie screenplay book. Um, Sweet. You know, they're, they're pushing for the best screenplay, and it's, it's cool to have a book. Like, it's, a, it's paperback, but nevertheless, it's, you know, a bound book with the cover. Uh, it's gold. It came in a gold bubble envelope. Um, and I was like, what? what's this? Oh, Barbie screenplay. All right, cool. So, you know, little things like that are, are cool parts of this time of year. Um, I've got to benefit from the last few years from it. And uh, it's more and more like we're getting a lot more stuff this year. Um, I have so many discs uh, and a time where physical media seems threatened. It's cool getting some of these movies on a disc that I have to destroy. But nevertheless, like currently I have it physically in hand. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, I'm glad I, I, I've always enjoyed how in order to curry favor, they just send free stuff. And like you, yeah. I am here for that. I am. the. Well, 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 would I sell my soul out for a, uh, a Kennedy fleece? Probably. So if you're listening, Warner brothers, I'm still available for that. And do you, do you know, I have one. I, I, I do know you have one, which is good. Yeah. Cause I was going to send you one, uh, for Christmas. Oh, so I'm tuna, glad that you have one. Tuna, uh, tuna got one, uh, for, um, cca and uh he he gifted it to me um so uh, thank you tuna as uh, for so many things but uh, specifically that that hoodie which i haven't got to wear yet because it's been 80 degrees um i'm hoping it's you're, gonna be cold so i can actually wear it you're a good man tuna well i'm gonna get one whether it's from warner brothers or via their official site and we can both wear it at the same time john because i've heard yes. From very reliable sources that they're very warm and cozy, but um, we can sing the uh, Feifel song, um, you know, under the same moonlight. Uh, yes, yes, and we can look at the. Uh, we can, oh man, I've got, we, this could be great. We just cinematography could be on point, and this could be a viral hit for the band boy. I, I, I can see it already. But this is like Christmas for film fans, man, or critics. Um, yes, we've got the votes coming up. We've got you've got I mean, the um, literal Central uh, Critics Association of Florida. 
I have the UK Film Critics Association to vote on soon and IFSCA as well. And then, of course, leading up to the golden statues everybody wants, the Bampies, coming at the beginning of January. So, yeah, I'm trying to cram in as much as possible. Still not getting to the levels of cramming that I would like, but um, in time that will come. I've got more time off work coming up soon. I've got a few days off, a few childless days as well in the next few days, uh, next week or so. So I do intend on filling them with film because... What better way of escapism or achieving escapism than by film? Isn't that correct, John? That is correct. Exactly. And speaking of film, we should probably get into this week's movie. Um, Matt kind of stumbled into it, if you, if you were paying attention, listeners. Although it's possible that if you are a more casual moviegoer listening to this podcast, uh, you may not have heard of this movie because it doesn't have a super wide release just yet, although it is expanding out this week. Um, the film is called Saltburn. Uh, it is written and directed by Academy Award-nominated Emerald Fennell. Um, you might have seen her movie a Promising Young Woman in 2020, I believe. Um, uh, yep. And uh, this film is star-studded, though. So if you haven't heard of this, you still might be interested because there's a lot of cast. However, uh, caveat going forward, this movie is 100% not for everybody. Um, and if you look at when we go over the, the uh, stats here in a second, you might think I'm wrong. Because they're pretty high uh, for a movie that I would say is not for everyone. But there are some definite definite sequences in this movie that will make even the most uh, comfortable audience members uncomfortable. Um, I at least think so. Anyways, Go let's watch look it at with your parents, guys. <laughs> yes, yeah. Watch it with your parents. Uh, watch it with your grandparents. Make sure you take them to the movie, especially if they don't go very often. No, yes. uh, listen to Matt. Um, here's the cast. Barry Keoghan, uh, which I know that's not how you say his name. It's what... It's no, Barry Keoghan. Barry, Barry, oh, it is Keoghan. You are correct. You sir. do hit the O. Okay. See, I feel like that's just me being an American, but no. Though. All right, Barry Keoghan, um, who I I just want to say right at the top, I am a huge fan. Uh, I have enjoyed almost every one of his movies. Uh, I I can't think of one I don't like. Um, you know, I mean, we had the Banshees last year where he was incredible. The two seconds he's in the Batman. Um, I love Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, which. Is a very similar character to this <laughs> character, though. Uh, but we also get Jacob Elordi, who, Matt, we covered Kissing Booth 1 and 2 on this podcast. Don't remind me. If you told me that we would be talking about that guy with reverence a few years later, I would have probably <laughs> laughed. Uh, because he's, 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 he can get out of the shadow of those films. Dude, I mean, this year alone, Priscilla and this movie, I'm just like, wow, I totally would not have guessed that dude from Kissing Booth was capable of this type of performance. Yeah. Uh, you get Rosamund Pike um, just having a blast, I think. Um, Archie, oh, I'm not going to have, have, this is the dude from uh, Gran Turismo, two movies this year. Um, there you go, that guy. Uh, Richard E. Grant, Allison Oliver, uh, Carrie Mulligan is not barely in this movie but she is great when she's on screen and then there's a bunch of other people listed but i think they're just kind of in the background of scenes so i'm gonna stop yes. with carrie um so i really like promising young woman a lot um and apparently i've i've learned through some of the critics that i listen to or read uh were not fans of that movie and i was kind of stunned because it was an oscar nominee it was in 2020 and apparently a lot of people, I always knew that people had problems with the ending of Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, like, I wouldn't, I'm not going to be like, oh, I think it's the best ending ever. But I was shocked by the ending. Like, it, it landed, right? Like, I, I was not, 
I did not see it coming, and I thought it was a interesting and, and unexpected way to end that film. Uh, I thought Carrie Mulligan was great, which I have become a huge Carrie Mulligan fan um, over the yeah. last couple of years, too. Um, I mean, I'd seen her in things and just didn't acknowledge who it was. Obviously, you know, she's in Drive, she's in uh, Inside Lou and Davis. And it, but that movie's where I think the first time I saw her as the the lead, right? Like she is the the force in that film. And I have now, like, if she's in something, I'm 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 in 100. percent Like I want to be there for her performances. Um, uh, the movie is this: a student at Oxford University finds himself drawn into the world of a charming and an arist- uh, sorry aristocratic classmate who invites him to his eccentric family sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. That is not an accurate depiction of what this movie is. <laughs> Like it sounds like a uh, like a a comedy type thing, doesn't it? Like a a, a drunken yeah. comedy film. Well, and it it covers more than a single summer. Like it, it, <laughs> it covers a lot of time. Um, the summer is one part of the time. It's also two thousand six, and I think that should be in the synopsis. I think that's a relevant point. Yes. This is a period piece. This is two thousand six uh, in Oxford at first. Um, the ratings seventy one percent RT which I checked this morning. I had it at 70. It's gone up a point since I initially built the show notes. 77 RT audience score, which that shocked me. I would not have guessed the critics and the audiences would feel the same about this movie. And mm-hmm. I'm sure far less audience members have seen it than usual because it is an unlimited release. So that number will probably go down a little. I think this will hit some, some audiences will be offended by a lot of what this movie is bringing <laughs> to the table. Um, 60 meta score, 7.5 IMDb user score. Again, those scores are always really hard to, to judge on IMDb, but 3.7 letterbox. I also found a little surprising because the critics that I listened to blank check, which I've been talking about for, I don't know how long now on this podcast. Um, the guys don't seem to like Fennel's movies. Uh, I've recently become a big fan of the big picture show, uh, which is, a, they're also friends with blank check that's how i found that podcast so maybe similar circles similar things but the thing is i generally the reason why i connect with blank check so hard is i often agree with them so this is one of those i wonder why we disagree so hard about emerald fennel's films and um i just listened to the big pictures uh episode on saltburn um they i have to say were positive overall Mm -hmm. but at the same time i think it's it's kind of trash, uh, right? Like that's their vibe. So I watched this and w- what I think we're a big picture and I fall in line is that it's, this movie's undeniably watchable mostly because of the cast and the style. Like this movie, it looks incredible. Like the fashion, the, the, um, but like the set design, the, the salt burn. And mm-hmm. when it's funny, it's really funny. And she has a really good grasp of dark comedy. In my opinion, I think promising young woman, a movie about rape revenge um, has moment. I mean, the opening sequence of her walking with the chili dog, where you think she's killed somebody at first, because it looks like she's walking with blood on her legs, but it's chili. Just how that's revealed. I found so I've never forgotten that opening sequence. It's, it's such a small moment, but I was so like, what am I watching when I was watching it? And I think this movie does that too. There's, there's really funny, dark humor type stuff. Rosamund Pike's character in particular gets some of the funniest lines and the way her character is because she's constantly insulting everybody and also like just the worst gossip, but seems to be oblivious and thinks she's a good person. And like the whole presentation of that character, it's, it's, it says a lot. And I do think that's the, the biggest criticism that I'm hearing about Fennel is 
most people think she's shallow in the sense that these movies don't really say anything. And I think when it comes to the audience that we're able to really project our own interpretations on these really, really hard. And if you are, I feel, cause I've read a few reviews where I'm like, wow, that's not how I was looking at it at all. I think that if you come at this with an attitude towards her, it's easier to find flaws in this. Mm-hmm. And if you are the opposite, if you are kind of coming in like, Hey, I found her movie entertaining and crazy and uh, bringing up interesting points. I think you can project positive versions of the interpretation, which is kind of how I fell into this. I, I found the movie watchable. I think the performances are incredible. I think it looks good. I like this movie. I do think there's some really strong points made that there's nothing really being said and that I have only seen the talented Mr. Ripley once and I was too young yeah. to see it. Yeah. Um, I, I watched it like on HBO. I thought it was weird. I didn't understand. I definitely didn't understand the commentary. Uh, it's 99. So I was maybe probably a little bit on the homophobic side of things. So it, it, it made me, made me uncomfortable. I think more so, especially cause I had not really been presented with anything like that. Um, and again, this is a vague memory of what that movie even is. I didn't know now it's getting dramatically compared to this movie and this movie's wild. Um, I do see the comparisons, even only having seen talented Mr. Ripley once. Um, and it, uh, uh, the big picture show compared it to a few other things. I read an article from New York times and I read, um, the Roger Ebert's websites reviewers. I don't remember the reviewer's name. Sorry. Uh, review also where, cause she was very positive on it. The New York times reviewer was very negative on it. Um, and then I feel like the big picture was somewhere in the middle. They were, they had a lot of criticism, but still found the movie very watchable. Um, I would lean, I'm definitely find the movie extremely watchable. I thought it was very fun, wild, um, disturbing and troubling. And I think there's some really big swings. I don't know if they all land, but they're, they're so outrageous that it's, it's hard to like dismiss them outright to me. Um, I don't know if uh, Emerald Fennel is trying to say anything relevant. I, I, you know, I tried to suss some things out. Um, I think there's, I think both movies promising young woman and this, uh, and this is to the big picture shows points. Um, I, I don't know if I fully understand the character motivations, uh, specifically our pro- quote unquote protagonist, mm-hmm. like, why this, why this particular thing? How did you end up doing this? What was the goal? What's the end game? And if you dive deep enough into that, I don't think the movie's offering much of an answer. And I, I do think that's a problem. Um, especially if the film is not driven by a particular plot, like there's no MacGuffin really. I mean, he's chasing something, but not, not in a way that is like a traditional narrative storytelling device of, I want a, this is why I can't have a, what am I going to do to get a, it's not, it's not that movie, right? Like that's not really what's going on with most of the time. We're kind of in the dark of what he wants or what he's chasing. And the character actually at one point kind of confesses, he doesn't even really know for sure what he felt or wanted with one of the uh, quote unquote MacGuffins here. So I think there's definitely room for improvement, but as a weird, dark comedy with, with moments that should make anybody squirm i think i mean there's some there's a a scene involving um uh allison oliver's character venetia uh and and barry keoghan's character oliver that bothers me still uh it's uh vampire discussions if you get my (laughs) drift but 
I overall am positive on this. Um, it's not my top five. It's not in my top 10 for the year, but it is higher up on my list. And I think a lot of other people. So I, I'm mostly positive. Again, I, I just think these performances are undeniable. I think the weird quirky comedy works for me. Um, I do feel like Richard E. Grant is underused though. Uh, as a person who tends to like him a lot in movies, he's just like, I feel like he's not doing a lot. And that's not, I don't think it's his fault. I, I just don't know if the character really needs to be there. Um, in a lot of the moments, he just feels extra. Uh, but that's my overall take. Matt, I have also no idea how you felt about this, although I feel like we might be on opposite ends of this one. So I'm curious, what did you think of Saltburn? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I do like it when JB gets curious, and I'm going to cut straight to the chase, JB, because I'm actually not a million miles off from you on on here on this, actually. Ah. And whilst you were um, eloquently describing your thoughts on the film, I was kind of checking things off my notes, like, yep, yep. I've got something similar to that. I've got something similar to that. And my kind of like long and short of it is, I don't think this film is, I think this film swings for many, many um, strikes. It doesn't hit all of them. In fact, maybe doesn't hit many of them, but, but God damn, is it compelling? I was never not entertained during yeah. this film. And that is why the, the thing I took the most from it. I agree. What are the characters motivations? Barry Keoghan's character, Oliver, what is you know trying to work out his motivations, and by the end of it, when we talk spoilers uh, on the on the minisode, you you can be like, oh, I know what's going on here, but that I don't think at any point I was sitting there thinking, oh, I get anyone's motivation. In fact, um, I think that you know it's it's a thriller, it's a drama, it's a comedy. Mystery is a very dark comedy. Mystery, um, it's kind of jack of all but master of no trades is what I think doesn't mm. quite nail any of them particularly successfully. And I don't mean it doesn't do well at all. I mean, it doesn't excel at any, I think like you, some of the zinger one liners are superb. You know, there's some fantastic lines in this, which made me laugh um, at things. Maybe I shouldn't have done, but th- that, that, that is what the whole point of this film is. It's there to get under your skin and make you feel uncomfortable, but I don't think it always lands the mystery. I don't think there was a mystery whatsoever. The dramatic side of it, for what it's worth, it wasn't there. And the thriller side, you know, it's not thrilling. It's not, it's not scary. There's no atmosphere here being built. And it isn't, and don't get me wrong, this isn't a, like a thriller as such, but there are moments in it where you could certainly, as we get further into the film, where you could look at it in that sense. So it doesn't really jump out at anything. And even thematically, it seems a little bit all over the place. I mentioned thriller. So is, is it like a homoerotic thriller? I don't know. Is it an Oscar bait film? Maybe. Is it uh, this kind of biting commentary on on class? I've seen the phrase eat the rich thrown around quite a lot. Uh, is it a yeah. period piece, which is a contemporary period piece? Because it, it's set in 2006, but it, it is, it's also vibes that it could be set like f- the decades before, given the setting and the way the, um, the characters are portrayed. Is certainly Rosamund Pike and Richard E. Grant. Um, so there's a lot going on, and again, it's, it's it's a bit of a mess of a film. And in terms of the class thing, I know people have been speaking about that. I don't think it's the best 
commentary on class. I think what a lot of people are getting their underwear in a twist about, because I, I hear what you're saying, a lot of people have suddenly turned on Emerald Fennell. And I really liked Promising Young Woman. Well, I think I think that's a very, very good film. Um, but I think people are kind of are looking at the quotes attributed to Fennell, Fennell, sorry, got to say her name properly, Fennell, about this film, where she says she, she wanted to sympathise with unlikable people, you know, the sort of people we can't stand, the sort of abhorrent people, you know, these rich people. And I think they're kind of looking at her as if to say, well, your 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 whole life has been you sit comfortably within the extremely privileged. You know, her father is a jewellery yeah. tycoon. You know, she is rich upon rich. Fam never had to worry. So I think people are looking at that and thinking, well, what do you mean? How unlikable people of which you kind of fraternise with, essentially. Um, I don't want to say that is the case, but I think that's what a lot of people's generalisations. Um, and also how far does she want to kind of push the envelope of poking at the rich when that is her lineage? So I kind of got a little bit of that. And you could look at it as, um, you know, the 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 evil lower or middle class just trying to take what the rich have got. You could look at it like that, or you could not. I think the film actually works a lot better if you just watch it as this kind of sleazy bit of pulp. Uh, and I wish the film was just that. I do wish they dispensed with some of the, um, the the some of the beats throughout and just had this kind of sleazy pulp f- thriller. Just go for one thing. And that I would have been happy of that because I think that's where it would have worked because the moments you mentioned, JB, or alluded to, they are there to make you uncomfortable. It got to a point where I thought, are they in there just to kind of get that reaction? Because the first one you see, which involves a bathtub, I was like, oh my God, they're really, they're really lingering on this shot and it's really effective. It's, you know, it really made me kind of wince, but it's so effective. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, something, then they, they do it again and then, and then there's another one later on involving, well, just say the ground. It's like, and it got to that point, and I thought, are we just doing this to be odd, to be like a sensationalist? Is there a point to this? Because the only person who is privy to this is the is the character who's doing it and the audience. So what is you know what are we what is this trying to tell us? Other than oh my god, this is crazy. And I kind of started to feel that the, the film was get was trying a bit too hard towards the end. I wasn't the biggest fan of the ending of this film. Until, well, it's not even the ending. We spoke about this off air. Like the kind of reveals and twists that happen. I wasn't the biggest fan because I don't think they were particularly revelatory and they felt a little bit unsatisfied. Underwhelming, I think the word is. Underwhelming. But, um, you know, that aside, because that sounds very negative, I wanted to kind of get that out of the way, that there are ups and downs along the way. I was, I, I found this extremely compelling. <laughs> like I said, I think Barry Kiergan mm-hmm. is excellent. In the, I think this is probably his first lead role, like straight up lead role, I think, um, or majority yeah. lead. And he is great, like you. Anytime I see his name on the credits, I'm I'm in because he always brings his A game. Jacob Elordi, I think what he does with the character very well is he could have just played the character off as a narcissist and somebody who is extremely unlikable, but he doesn't. You know, he come. He, oh. he of course he has tendencies, but. You, you see that there's a person there, and I actually could, and I actually will say the same of Rosamund Pike, Richard E. Grant, Old Reg, and Alison Oliver's character. They, they obviously they're, they're they're set up to be unlikable, but I think they're just too stupid to be unlikable, and they are played like that. Now, mm. Rosamund Pike is, you know, Richard E. Grant is in. I think he's great in this film. He's in his own world in the film, uh, coming off a kind of a similar performance in the lesson a few weeks back, a few months back, as this kind of odd patriarchal figure. But I do think they're so, they're so insular and so tuned in only to their own surroundings that 
that's obviously where the dichotomy comes from that when an outsider comes in you know, that this is where our kind of main crux is but uh, i i actually found myself kind of quite liking the, the 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 rich family in this because they were just they were the ones coming out of the best lines they were giving us these great performances and i was like i like these guys um even though i probably shouldn't so maybe that's the writing i don't know but i think the performances were all very very good i think the jokes or the gags for the most part are good um I think he gets a little muddled towards the end, but I do think I want to say that the cinematography from Linus Sandgren, uh, Damien Chazelle's collaborator is very, very good. It's in a four, three aspect ratio. Not entirely sure it needs to be. Cause I actually would have liked yeah. to have seen the entirety of these stunning locations. I think the, 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 the manor house, the mansion it's set in, it's only about an hour and a half, two hours from where I am. It is very oh. private. I don't think I can just go up and take a picture, but if I'm ever in that area, maybe I will, but I, I specifically like the lighting in this film. I think it's lit so damn well. Uh, when whether whether it's a, a close up of somebody's body, or a party scene, or uh, a, a nighttime scene, or whatever, d- d- the lighting tells its own story. I think. Yeah, I, yeah. Know, I really like his cinematography. Anyway, there's there's a scene. Um, I won't say exactly the context, but the family's at like lunch, and then they they close the curtains, and it turns the room oh, red. Yeah, uh, that sequence is so cool, like visually. It, it visually, and it evokes obviously what's happening in the scene as well. Things take a yeah. change, and I mean, th- th- you could also compare this. I was going to say he, whereas I wasn't the biggest fan of Babylon as a film. I think it's shot deliciously, and I think you I like could almost one. compare these two films essentially for that the debauchery side of it. Um, but Saltburn, I'd heard it was divisive. I'd heard you either love it or you hate it. I don't know. It seems like we're kind of more on the, we, we, we liked it, but we're not quite ready to say, I'm not ready to say I loved it. I'm not going to say I hated it because I didn't. I, I enjoyed it. I was entertained. I was uncomfortable at times, but the critic in me was left scratching my head a lot of the times, JB, at some of the inclusions of story beats, some of the characters, even, um, the, the revelations throughout, and the muddled thematic jumble that was going on through it. That said, I, I, I came out satisfied enough, and that was good enough for me, JB, hearing it was going to be so divisive. It wasn't as salty as he might have expected. Uh, Margot Robbie is a good. producer on this, by the way, so that another Babylon connection. Um, uh, I did not know that. Is is it? Um, it is Margot Robbie's production company produces this as well, Lucky Chap Entertainment, so... Another, she's, uh, yeah. I'm looking at Letterbox, and she's just listed. I was like, oh, yeah, another Babylon ref- uh, there. But I think she also Margot Robbie produced Promising Young Woman uh, along with the Lucky Chap Entertainment production company. So um, hmm. very no. And listen, uh, Emerald Emerald Fennell was getting flack in the media because she talked with a posh accent, and she was brought up with riches. Think about that, what you will. Not here to talk about that, you know, guys out there, whatever. In terms of filmmaking, I that, think she's shown here that she's a very, very good filmmaker, very talented filmmaker. That is one thing that, um, especially with Promising Young Woman, when like male critics are bashing her, I, I do always take that with a grain of... I don't, I can't even say I take it with a grain of salt. I might immediately assume that they're coming from a, a, a place of like defensiveness because of their gender, um, which might be false, but it, it I'm so used to men downgrading what women put into the world um especially artistically um that i i kind of just make that assumption now and i don't Mm -hmm. i shouldn't it's unfair because again that's the exact thing i'm uh, 
accusing them of doing is saying it's bad because it's a woman. Um, and obviously there are some critics that are very clearly that's the issue, right? Like you can, there's a difference of maybe that's where you're coming from versus like, clearly that's where you're coming from. But, um, that's, I, I tried to find different perspectives here. And I think it's one of the things I like about the big picture podcast, um, is it Sean and Amanda, uh, Amanda Dobbins, Sean fantasy are the two hosts. And you, you do have an interesting dynamic in that regard that you, you nice. get two voices. And, um, although, I, I do believe, uh, you know, there's, we need more diversity in our criticism, I think in general, but, um, I tried, I tried to read uh, a few different takes on this to see because they had, they mentioned her, her, uh, upbringing. And I do think that's relevant because one of the criticisms that I saw, uh, levied that this movie, uh, was saying that if you have money, the, the middle class is evil and they'll come get you. Um, and I'm like, that's a weird read because I totally read it as "eat the rich," which was a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, but well, I, I didn't know that where about coming from with that. Well, especially idea. knowing that about her, I think that yeah. is a detail that makes again that shift in your perspective. If you're just watching this as a person who's like, ah, these wealthy people have everything, and then you watch the way these the, this movie plays out. Yep. you might be like yeah then again if you're if you're aware that the person who wrote it is wealthy and then you watch the movie play out you might take a different uh, perspective and barry um, keoghan is you you wouldn't tell because the only thing i can criticize for barry as barry as if i know him but is his accent is all over the place he's obviously an irish um uh, man he is uh playing a a guy from liverpool yeah from, from uh, where the beatles are from so he's got a scouse accent um, and that it is that kind of wobbles and wavers. However, it isn't. It clearly isn't accidental to place Barry Keoghan's character from a a place in in Merseyside, where, and the the town that is from, uh, or, or Merseyside in general, is a place where they would see themselves and they would describe themselves. This isn't me saying this. This is kind of in Britain. This is what how we know they would describe themselves very much as hardworking working class types. So it was a very deliberate decision to give him a northern Scouse accent um, as part of the class commentary. And of course, like I said, how the film develops is how the film develops. We'll talk about that in the next in the coming days. But th- there is a class commentary here. I don't think it's particularly done very well, but I think yeah. that's more for me because I'm not entirely sure what the film is trying to say. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, it's also like a noir film. Uh, in time one of one of our main characters we say could be like a femme fatale which is cool but then it just adds another layer to the film where there's not much going on underneath it whereas i think it could have worked best for me and it's subjective just as a kind of sleazy pulpy thriller just just go for that instead and let's leave everything else at the door but again emerald fennell has shown that she has i think this is a in terms of execution i think this is actually um, a step up from how from promising young woman in terms of the filmmaking as like an evolution you'd think it would be she's done promising young woman she's worked on her craft mm-hmm. honed it i think this film is is shot better i think it looks better and i don't think you can deny that she's got an eye for making good films good I, was say, films I, at least. I think my final like takeaway from this is maybe she should try making someone else's movie or collaborating with a second person mm-hmm. um to 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 maybe help with character motivation or, or like that, her structure is kind of off a little bit. Yeah. And, or, you know, one of the things that I've struggled every time I've attempted to even write a review, sometimes I don't have anything that I feel is 
like worth bringing to the table, yes. right? Like yeah. it's like I'm just going to have these superficial, artificial comments, like oh, I thought this was fun, yeah. It's just but I don't have a deeper reading on it, and it's it's hard to like. I know that, like I'm aware that I have nothing really new to say, and that's um, partly why I, I I listened to some other people for this one because I I was like I. I liked it, but I don't know if I have a take on it. And if the reason yeah. is maybe because she didn't have a take on it. So there wasn't really one right. for me to, to pull. I think um, you're right. I liked it. I didn't love it, but I'm not entirely sure I can put my finger on what is going on. Other than when we talk spoilers, we can obviously t- say what happened, but there's a lot of things I definitely want to like, what, what were, how did you react to a, and I yeah, can't exactly. say that without it. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Um, I liked it, JB. I, I actually thought, I'm not going to lie. I did go in this thinking, oh, I've heard so much about this. And, pe- and people in my critic groups are saying it is the worst film of the year. And you know my thoughts on that. That kind of hyperbole yeah. can get it in the bin. Every week we have a best or worst film of the year. But I was pleasantly surprised, if anything. I watched uh, – t- we got links for this um, for for FYC. Yes. But uh, Tuna was already going to see it in the theater before we knew the link was coming in. But like, I watched it while he was at a theater watching it. And um, – so I, I was about to say I, I had his reaction first. But this is one of his favorite films of the year. Um, Man, that's pro- that, and, that's classic tuna, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but but, uh, but I'm closer to him than than not. Though you know what I'm saying? Like this isn't it's not in my top five, but it, like I was like. Man, if this had a couple of extra little things, if it had clicked just a little harder, because I was really up on Promising Young Woman, like that movie it's really, fine. Fine. Uh, really, really worked for me in a lot of ways. And now I'm like, is that bad that it worked for me? Like it didn't work. Like I wasn't no. like. This you just know, has too know. much going on, I think. It doesn't need yeah, to have as much. She does have on. a really good grasp of comedy, though, which is interesting um, because mm-hmm. it, her mov- the two movies she's made shouldn't be comedies, but they are. <laughs> and I do have a dark sense of humor, so like I can't resist uh, when one works. Uh, that said, folks, that's our review of Saltburn. Check back in a couple days for the spoiler mini. So as long as you are following us or subscribe to us on whatever podcast catcher you get, you'll get that bonus episode for no additional charge. Of course, there's no charge for this either, but you get there's no there's still no additional. It's accurate. It's time we switch segments, though. It's concessions of a cinephile. If you're uh, new to the show or if you're a longtime listener, you may maybe you missed the last couple episodes. You haven't heard this new segment, but we got rid of chopped headlines and we've replaced it with our version of a water cooler talk. This is imagine you're in line, you're about to get some popcorn. You're about to go see that new movie, but there's a bunch of other cinephiles around you for, for a change. It's not just those people who only watch movies. Sometimes it's other people who spend the time going to the theater. Now's your chance to talk cinema. That's what this is. These are confessions, concessions of a cinephile. And this week, because it's December, we want to talk holiday movies because holiday movies have a weird place in how we we consume media. Because I, I, Matt, I think you're like me. Obviously, you've rewatched The Exorcist countless times. Um, I have movies on my list that I've watched ridiculous number of times. But I think if I if I had been accurately counting since I was a little kid. I, I feel like the number of movies I've seen the most would all be Christmas movies because every year I return to the same films. Every once in a while I get to add a new one to that list, right? Like, but generally speaking, since I was like eight years old, I've watched the same Christmas movies every year and I'm 41 now. So it's a lot of times that I've seen some of these Christmas movies and some of them I watch more than once a Christmas season. You know what I'm saying? Like it's some I hit, it's like, okay, I got to check the box. Have I watched this one yet? But others I rewatch multiple times 
in that that one season and then i've done that multiple times after that so i wish i had an accurate count i'd love to know how many times have i seen blank i don't want to say titles yet because we're about to talk about our favorite holiday films but i thought we would start with that holiday movies have that weird rewatchability that they they not only are they you know the ones that stick the ones that we keep coming back to as as a culture they offer something there but i also think they they are given a responsibility of making us feel a certain way, right? Like we associate, it doesn't feel like Christmas is something I've said before. These movies help us feel like Christmas. They give us that sensation. They, they put us in a time and place where we get that aspiring feeling of the season that we are, we're supposed to be excited for that. We're supposed to be happy um, obviously there's a lot going on with that. There's music and there's, there's candy and there's decorations, but the movies play a vital role, especially I think for cinephiles to get us to that point where we are ready for the holidays and no other movies have that responsibility. I mean, there's other holiday based films, but I don't think we rely on them to give us the feeling like this. Cause I mean, you might argue horror for Halloween, but like, that's a whole genre of like where it's much more vast because holiday movies could be a genre and then specifically a subgenre being Christmas film, but I don't know. Uh, I've been more niche. Yeah, yeah, right. It's it's very very narrow, and I think horror movies you can watch year round. Well, that's exactly it. Horror movies generally you watch speaking, all year round. Yeah, yeah. And Christmas movies you generally don't. You could, but you generally don't. It feels sacrilege, doesn't it? Because of what you've just said, it's meant to make you feel festive, and also the majority of christmas films i know there are some out there maybe that don't but the majority are meant to imbue you with with hope with happiness with a warm feeling because even if in the middle section things don't look great for our protagonist or our lead character by the end you know it's going to be good they're going to be around the tree on christmas morning with the family or whatever whoever they're with opening presents and whatever you know you're going to get that and it it makes you feel good it's that comforting feeling jb and that's what I get from like some of the like The Exorcist comfort film. Some of the films I like as comfort films are more because of what you've just said. I remember watching them as a kid or as a teen, and you kind of go back to those times and what you got from it then. And it is that escapism. We mentioned it up top. There is an escapism in these films, especially holiday films, especially Christmas and festive films. It's not because, oh, I want the life and the house and the Christmas tree those guys have got. But it's no, I can, I can, you know, I can relate to it. it. It's what's underneath that. It's the family. It's the connection. It's the bonds. It's the warmth and everything that goes along with Christmas. Doesn't matter with your, your rich poor whatever. It's the, the feeling, and that's what a mm-hmm. good Christmas film should do. Or it should scare you. Or it should make you laugh. Or it should make you cry. But if we can do all of them, maybe not the scare part. You're laughing. But yeah, holiday films. I know they sometimes get a bit of a bad rap for being, for being cheesy, for being mawkish, for being um, overly sugary, but hey when what other time of the year can you do it jb your summer blockbusters big bombastic films horror halloween they're meant to scare you festive films if there's any time to make a film to hit the heartstrings it is the christmas films and i know you like a hallmark film john so you know all about that film we should say though there are christmas horror films and i think you and i are both a fan of that that (laughs) subgenre of the of this subgenre um so what we're going to do, listeners, we're, we're not doing a top list. We're just going to talk about some of our favorite movies. Um, I'm also going to try to throw some curveballs out there. I, I don't know if we've ever talked holiday movies before. I feel like we've maybe oh, mentioned really? them. 
um, we've probably discussed them in what we've been watching where uh, our consumption uh, we've because put out every um, social posts about it where we've done like our favorite horror um, holiday film or our favorite you know genre holiday film yeah. uh, or, or elite uh, antagonist protagonist but I don't think we've, we've never sat down on a show and spoken about it and just I don't know how this will go in terms of like detail how much we'll discuss it um, exactly uh, but uh, I think I just got a text from Tuna that he's stuck in an elevator. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, weird timing. Uh, Devil, the movie. Um, but uh, we're just going to kind of discuss. Now, the way I approach this, uh, with the exception of my first one, is I, I want to give, I want to shine a light on some Christmas movies that maybe aren't in the regular rotation of our listeners. Um, and it, that maybe you should give a chance. Because I, I do, while I love rewatching Christmas films, sometimes it does feel more like I am doing a checklist. Like, have I watched this yet? Have I watched this yet? And I love when a new one shows up that I can add to that checklist to, to mix it up a little bit. Right. And like, sometimes I don't like, I might take a, a Christmas off from one movie and come back to it in a couple of years when there are others that I watch all the time. And I real quick, uh, this is a curveball match. So I'll give you a second to think about it. What Christmas movie do you think you've seen the most? I'm going to answer first. So you got to You got a second to think. I don't know if this happens in the UK or not, but I'm okay. pretty sure when I was like 12 years old, TNT slash TBS, which is a channel he- from here in the States, um, started doing 24 hours of a Christmas story, right? So at uh, <laughs> eight o'clock on Christmas Eve, they would play a Christmas story with commercials, but they would start at eight o'clock on Christmas Eve and it would run until eight o'clock on Christmas Day. So okay. that's, you know, it's, it's a two hour movie, I think, with the commercials. And so you're, you're a two hour block. So, I guess that's uh, you're going to see it 12 times. And while I would not be awake for all of that, when I was awake, that was on. And they still do that to this day, to my knowledge. I haven't had cable in like 10 years, but uh, they still, I think, do the 24 hours of Christmas story. At one point, they were doing that with Elf as well on a different network. But so pretty much from the age of 12 to probably 30, I watched a Christmas story like three to four times every Christmas because I would just let it loop. It was yep. Christmas Eve. It was time for a Christmas story. Um, so I, I feel pretty confident. There is no movie I've seen more than a Christmas story. I think I've seen it more than any movie ever um, because I, I have watched it and it's, it's I love it. I, it's not on my list right here to talk about, but it's one to me, it's like such an obvious one because my whole family did that like it was every one of us we were watching a christmas story for 24 hours and when i was a kid i thought it was an old movie because it's set in the 50s right my brain didn't process that it was a period piece it wasn't until i was me probably you know 20 years ago that i realized like wait this movie's from the 80s i had no idea i was alive when it came out i always just thought it was some old movie that i discovered as a kid and it's because it also because it had the cult following right like it didn't do really well in theaters it took a few years and then it became this this juggernaut of Christmas films. Um, but I think I've seen that more than any movie ever, but it's definitely the Christmas movie I've watched the most. Uh, it's not, I love it. It's in my top five because I have that connection to it, but um, it's not what, I don't feel like I need to like stand on a mountaintop and say it, but is there one for you? Uh, the one that I have seen the most, whether it's intentional or not, usually not because over here, we have uh, we don't necessarily have a, a Christmas Carol on loop, but we have specific channels on Sky Movies where it would just be Sky Christmas, and it's just Christmas films all year round. But even before that, on your kind of terrestrial TV, your your your, your major channels, one film 
was always on as a kid and it's home alone always always on as a kid and um i'll throw it out there that's that's also on my list i'll throw that under my first one jb for for that reason i mean i think the film was fun is it a great film probably not but it's a mix of those the moments of wishing i could be kevin McAllister or being left alone in that house with a credit card to get that pizza and everything else that and in that kind of snow yeah man that's like the fantasy for a kid um obviously not being um stalked and hunted by burglars potential murderers i could probably do without that but it's the vibe that that film gets the the feeling at the end when everyone's back john williams majestic score for that film Ugh. it's everything it's just a wonderfully uh nostalgic film for me and i'm sure many others listening as well but because it was on so much as a kid it was just always 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 on around the holiday season and my family would would put it on because they enjoyed it they, my mum and dad they'd put it on because they enjoyed it and got a laugh out of it because why why wouldn't you the things kevin does to the wet bandits are is hilarious um or the sticky bandits as they become known as well um but it, 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 exactly i would not a fan of that one but it's uh it's always always on uh as a, and now if it's on now i watch it sometimes i will actually actively seek it out over christmas because it just takes me back to the good times and it's i wouldn't say it's harmless because <laughs> it isn't it's uh like mini john wick but uh home alone is one of my favorite holiday films and now um i, I spoke to my kid the other day rang her up and said you know what are you watching tonight expecting to say goosebumps or something again she loves goosebumps she said oh, i'm watching home alone and, and I, I got the pang i was like oh man this takes yep. me back i said what so no where did you hear about that she said oh we just heard, heard about it she asked her mum, and she's you know yeah i get yeah you can watch it so i said to her don't get any ideas and don't be setting up any traps around the house for your yeah. mother now um my I don't remember what age Taylor first saw Home Alone because uh, the Home Alone is also one I've seen a million times. But yeah, um, yeah. we were it was within the first few months. I, she's probably five or six. We were at Walmart and she'd mm. seen Home Alone um, and we're walking through Walmart and she's sitting in the like in the cart. And I actually I'm I'm away. It's like Kathy and her are together and she just quotes the damn movie and is like she looks at my wife and goes, why the hell did you take your shoes off? <laughs> my well, Kathy's wearing shoes, mind you. So there's no context. She just has the line stuck in her head from Home Alone, and that was one of the first times I was like, "Ooh, maybe too young for that." <laughs> like, I yep. hadn't thought about it. But, uh, she hasn't yeah, um, yet. Um, I'm waiting because the, the moment I'm scared of is waking up in the middle of the night next weekend and having a massive uh, flip freaking sorry <laughs> freaking tarantula put on my face because I would uh, scream like Daniel Stern if that was me but but even just talking about it it's that that's that anecdote you've just said hopefully I don't have any uh including spiders or glue but it's just a fun film and um yeah the sequel whatever but I enjoyed this film for what it's worth. It's Chris Columbus. It's a it's a safe, safely directed film, and yeah, it, it's on my list for uh, mainly for those nostalgic reasons, my uh, my friend. All right, so here um, I'm just gonna list. Uh, we'll we'll go back and forth, but um, I, mm-hmm. I had to start with it's my favorite movie all time, not just favorite Christmas movie, and it's it's a movie that I will argue all the time that it is not exclusively a Christmas movie. It does qualify as a Christmas film. The themes are very Christmas like and the end of the film, <laughs> literally the the last act is at Christmas. The, no, the rest of the film oh. is not. No, no. Uh, the rest of the film is <laughs> not, but it's it's a wonderful life. It is yes. Frank Capra's masterpiece. It is very dark and a lot of people forget that part of the film that at the end he is ready to kill himself kill him, uh, yep. to get the insurance money to help his family. Um, 
the the sacrifices George will make for his family is is ever ever going. Um, but I I have I mean raved about this film. I think it is a masterpiece in every way fathomable. I've um I as a kid I watched it a lot because I w- when I was a kid it was at the moment it was uh, in the public domain. And it was getting, it was on every network for years. And then it vanished. I forgot what happened to the right. Something did happen and it vanishes from like the nineties to like the two thousands. They're not showing it like they were. And then it, it, you know, I, I rewatched it, I think in 2017 after not seeing it for like 20 years. Um, and I cried so much. I was so not ready to connect with, uh, everything about the film and, I, I just had a memory of it as a kid. Like I, I knew the basic story and whatnot, but it, it didn't resonate with me as a kid. It resonates with me so much. Now I've taught this film. Now it is, I, I go to see it usually every year in the theater. Um, or I like, cause they do a lot of retro screenings of it. I try to catch it on the big screen when I can, but it is a movie since 2017. I watch every year. I, I can't help it. I love it. I, I, you know, quote it. I have, stuff for it my wife anytime she finds anything with it's a wonderful life uh, she <laughs> tends to buy it um it, it is it's a movie that i can't describe how important i think it is um it, i just think it is a film that uh, again many many people have seen i'm not the only person who talks so highly of it obviously but i do think there's a generation of people who aren't being shown it's a wonderful life and that's a shame and listeners do not watch the colorized version. It's an unauthorized colorization that Ted Turner did when it was under the public domain, and it looks terrible. Just watch the black and white. It's better. It's how it was designed. That's what Frank Capra was going for. That said, uh, it's 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 a classic um, and my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I can't add any more to It's a Wonderful Life if, other than if you haven't seen it, do watch it this um holiday season but or like john all year round but uh do watch it this festive season it's like you said it is a dark film because obviously the 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 kind of defining point of the film is a very dark uh decision that the character is weighing up and um it's so well um it's so well directed the screenplay is excellent the dialogue is great are the that the antagonist mr potter is Um, there's many mr potters nowadays so hey look the film was relevant as much now as it has been before maybe but um it's a fantastic film and yeah i mean i can't um speak any more highly than john can it's a brilliant film if you haven't seen it watch it this christmas and we hope you won't be disappointed but i don't think you will be what about you bo what's one what's one of your holiday favorites um, I'm going to throw in the next one, JB. Second film I ever saw at the theatre. Ah. And I know how much you enjoy this film, JB. The Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, wow, you the, saw it in the theatre? I did, I did. Dude, I, I didn't even know this movie existed till like five years ago. No way, I saw this in the theatre. I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secrets of the Use, classic. I saw that in a, in a place called Bracknell about, Bracknell, about half an hour away. Because we didn't have a theatre in my hometown, which we do now. Um, and then the next one I saw was this one, the Muppet Christmas Carol directed by Brian Henson, which is the best Christmas Carol story out there. Yes. hundred percent. The best Ebenezer Scrooge with Michael Caine. Michael 100%. Caine. I've, uh, you, you've seen the meme. I'm sure I've seen the meme. Michael Caine is out there acting his ass off to get that Oscar surrounded by puppets. And Michael Caine's like, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to drop the hardest performance of the year. He's, you know, he's, 
he embodies everything about Scrooge throughout until, of course, the spoiler, he doesn't and uh, sees the light of the end. He is so damn good in this film. And uh, it's now it seems to be getting a renaissance or I think there's a renaissance or more of an appreciation in recent years. Just this year alone or this month, we're only a week into it. I've seen quite a few memes or comments about the Muppets Christmas Carol uh, mainly in a kind of humorous terms, but all in rever- reverence and love. And I love seeing that, like um, even things just championing and celebrating Rizzo the Rat. You know, does your film have Rizzo? Yeah. No. Well, that isn't a film. Uh, that kind of stuff. And I dig it. And it's such a touching film. It's, and it's so emotional, like with, with Tiny Tim um, in this as well. The way they, that damn puppet and his damn walking cane, but it gets me every single time, even uh, the older I get now and the more soft and soppy I get with stuff like this, it hits even harder. But it's everything I said up top about a film which should give you hope, should give you heart, should make you smile, can make you cry. And hey, look, Scrooge can, make, could, Scrooge can scare you if you want as well. Everything's in this film and it's a damn Muppets, yeah. which b- bring it every year for Christmas for me. And uh, I will be watching this one with my daughter, and guess what, John? It's, a, it's an hour and 25 minutes long. It doesn't overstay its yep. welcome. The songs are great. I can't wait to it, watch it again this year. It also really tells the story despite that. Like, because I don't remember. I think Zemeckis is about the same amount of time. But, like, this, it feels like it, it's uh, such a detailed story to be yeah. so short. Um, yeah. You get such a sense of, of all of it. And, I man, my wife loves Miss Piggy. Uh, she's a huge, huge Miss Piggy fan. I have... <laughs> above my head miss piggy merchandise in fact um and voiced by yoda uh, when we uh, when we found this movie a few years ago i was so stoked i was like i've never seen this i think we rented it even from like Redbox or something like it was somewhere nice and i'm like how do i not know this movie and we watched it and i thought you know we'll watch it because it's muppets it'll be fine and i was like blown away i'm like this is incredible it's immediately so good, bought isn't it, it? It's so good. It, it it's. I mean, Michael Caine is phenomenal, and I love. I I have seen all the memes of him like playing it. Like everyone's telling the story as if they've discovered it, but like it. Yeah, yeah. no. Michael Caine plays this as straight as possible, and that's what makes <laughs> it so good, though, is because the Muppets are the Muppets, and honestly, Gonzo as Dickens is incredible. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I I love him in this. Um, they released. Uh, listeners, if you're a fan of this and you are also a collector of Funko Pops like myself, they did release the Christmas Carol Funkos this year. Yes, and I haven't been buying them, but I had to because we love this movie so much. So we got Miss Piggy, we got Kermit, who comes with Tiny Tim. And we got Gonzo, who comes with Rizzo. And I actually got the flocked Gonzo uh, from Amazon. So uh, nice. a little inside baseball there. I am a collector of the stupid Funkos. I have so many. Um, when I saw that, I remember saying to you, I would be disappointed, flabbergasted, bewildered, and all these over-the-top words if you didn't get those pops. And it turns out you yeah. did. I haven't ordered Scrooge yet. Um, I kind of still – I kind of want to. And they have – they have um, – the 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 old guys uh, the I can't think of their name uh, L- Waldorf Han- oh stop they, they have them as the ghost uh, as a two pack <laughs> and I, I really want to get that but it's like it's more because it's the two pack I'm like I don't want twenty five bucks but no, anyways uh, we could talk about that movie forever we both are huge fans yes um, we'll Muppet Christmas Carol um, I I want to give this one a shout out I've probably talked about this but this one's relatively recent it came out in twenty seventeen. Wow, I didn't realize it was 2017. Anna and the Apocalypse is a yes. zombie Christmas musical, folks, and that is the key here. It is, it's three genres that you wouldn't think could mesh together, 
and man does it um it's so much fun uh if you're thinking i don't like musicals give this a chance because it's it's also i guess i should also point out it's a dark comedy zombie christmas musical so like there's a sense of humor it's not it's not being completely sincere although that doesn't mean there's no emotion it's still a christmas movie so there's christmas themes that are embedded in it um the opening song though is one of my favorites uh or one of the opening songs i I might be jumping ahead when it becomes a zombie movie and the first song that happens is one of my favorite like sequences i just love how it plays out the the choreography of the sequence is a lot of fun i've shown that scene uh many times i've never shown the whole film to students but i've always (laughs) there's one that that opening musical number i've shown a dozen times uh because it's one i like to 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 peak an interest and i feel like that scene does and I think just saying zombie Christmas musical piques the interest of many people. I know musical that, that genre does turn some people away. That is a mistake. Please give genres a chance. There is a movie for everybody. You just have to find it. Not every musical works for me, but the ones that do man, do they? And this one's one that works for me. Um, Cause Christmas time, we, I think we associate Christmas and singing, right? Like there's so many, yes. even in the movies that don't have, a musical component, there is Christmas music that we find important and relevant. One of the things I love about the Muppet Christmas Carol, I love the, the songs in that movie so much. Uh, I think all of them really work, which is surprising. Uh, and and in the apocalypse, very same. Uh, the, the Not all the songs are my favorite, but the ones that work really, really work. Um, it's got a fun tone. And it's, it is a zombie movie. Like it, it does hold true. It's not just like using zombies as set dressing. Like it is a real zombie. Like if you are a fan of that genre, it succeeds at being a really well-made zombie film on top of being a really well-made Christmas film on top of being a really well-made musical. It's just a, it's a great movie that I don't think enough people have seen. So I, I wanted to throw that out there and in the apocalypse, check it out. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Ella Hunt as Anna is also very good in the film. Yes. Um, it's right up my street that I like you. I've kind of grown to appreciate musicals more in, in recent, maybe in the recent decade, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's on Shudder right now. Uh, there you go. Well, we're not sponsored by Shudder again, but we're nope. going to mention it. it's on <laughs> Prime really in the UK, be. which is Shudder. We should be. We gave you guys a whole month of, um, of promotion, but yeah, it's on Shudder. Check it out. Um, I enjoy it. I like zombie films. I like Christmas films. Uh, and if I can mix them all up, great. But no, like John said, it's very much worth a watch. Uh, my final one, JB, probably my favourite Christmas film um, because it, it's very much my uh, up my street in terms of its genre. It's one of the fir- is the first film I think that ever scared the living daylights out of me when nice. I was about f- f- four years old. Gremlins from nineteen eighty four. I remember seeing this as a kid and. I, it scared me, like the bit at the end, you know, before we go to bed, look under your bed, check in your closet. There may just be a gremlin there. Put the fear, I, I can't tell you, I'll keep, you know, it put the fear of God and the devil and everything holy in me. I remember my family watched it downstairs and I had to come upstairs and sit lay on my bed all night because I could not watch it because I was scared to death. And then watching it as a teen and adult, it's great. I love it. It's, um, it's probably my favourite one for entertainment reasons there's loads of films i haven't mentioned i mean if you want if you want to keep it oh, genre, yeah, so many that christmas krampus and even some of the even like spirited last year a bit too long really enjoyed it and the christmas chronicle kurt russell really enjoyed that but um gremlins though i think gremlins works on so many levels as a christmas film firstly it's set at christmas of course it is but the you know, joe dante and his themes here it's about consumerism it's about commercialism um which is which is actually kind of like symbolized by the gremlins themselves. And it talks about the dangers of such it's there's so much Christmas music 
throughout. Um, it's place what's where, where is it? Uh, Kingston Town, Kingston Falls. Sorry. So it's 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 set in the days leading up to Christmas. It, there's something about it that just makes it one that I would always go back to. Maybe because uh, Gizmo and a Santa hat is always only ever going to be cute. But like Anna and the Apocalypse, in terms of branching out, does it work as a Christmas film for me? 100% Gremlins does. Does it work as a comedy? Absolutely it does. Does it work as a horror? Well, it damn well did as a kid. So that's a tick for me. So it it branches out into its different um, genres and um, different pigeonholes and cubbyholes, and it works in every single one of them. But there is a lesson there. Like you mentioned with It's a Wonderful Life, and I don't think I'm going to compare the two films here, uh, Gremlins and It's a Wonderful Life, but they have important messages, and I do think the that the commercialism message throughout gremlins is one that gets overlooked sometimes uh and the idea that hey look maybe maybe christmas isn't isn't for you it's maybe maybe this isn't your time uh you're not having a good time or it brings up bad memories the film touches on stuff like that as well it also touched on what it's like to be a parent at christmas having to buy the next best thing um but there's there's so many cool things about Gremlins I, I love about this. It's absurd, it's funny, it's creepy at times, certainly for the young'uns. But it works so well as a Christmas film. And it also just feels cold. Every time I watch it, the amount of snow, I don't know, I don't know how they've yeah. shot, the way they shoot the actual winter scenes looks so damn cold. Maybe it's because the, the characters have all got big coats under it all of the time. But my man, I Gremlins is a film which I absolutely absolutely love absolutely enjoy have done for many years when i'm not sitting there getting scared of it zach gallagher yeah. everybody loved phoebe cates Corey feldman come on it's it's great and I'm, you're a fan of gremlins as well i want to say i am it's been a long time since i watched it last though i am a fan though um especially i just love the design right gizmo is just such a iconic look although yeah. yes there is a furry yoda there for sure but <laughs> um you know it's around the same time it's only a couple of years off from when yoda shows up but um i and the gremlins are terrifying uh um and you know what i like the second one too uh the second one goes wild uh but some of the like the the gremlin designs are just so cool like um sean is out of the elevator everybody it's good news uh good stuff well done tuna um but yeah uh definitely a fan i need i need to rewatch it though it's been a minute and um joe dante's been on my my mind lately so need to uh i haven't seen enough of his movies um check it out my friend gremlins 2 was actually i, I can't remember what the story was now but he basically wrote it as a, a middle finger to the studio that's why it's so wildly different and absurdly different to the first one there was some kind of issue with the studio and he, that was his response to basically giving the big fu and put out gremlins 2 but now it's it's so weird but it, it's, it's got this huge cult status now following where maybe it didn't when it first came out well, for my last one, we're going to talk about today. I mean, I could go on and on because I have seen a lot of Christmas movies. In fact, <laughs> I have, I'm going to include in the show notes a link to a list on Letterboxd where I am kind of constantly adding things I've seen and ranking them uh, for yeah. Christmas movies. Um, and I, I, I've seen a lot. I mean, I've seen more than even on this list, uh, but these are the ones that I could remember uh, seeing. And I, I tend to not count the Hallmark ones because I don't usually <laughs> sit and watch those. Um, there is one exception. There's a Brandon Routh one where he has a cat that I like a lot. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but uh, the movie I want to, to last uh, mention, I believe, is still on Netflix because it is a Netflix original. It, it accordingly is. Um, it also has one of my favorite funny men, Jason Schwartzman, 
in the lead and it's from 2019 called Klaus. I can't yeah. believe this movie's that old, to be honest. It feels like I just watched it for the first time like a year ago, but apparently it was, it was, uh, what, five, four years ago. Um, it's, uh, an animated film that I just, I love the look of it. Um, I love the character design. And one of the things, uh, that I don't think you get a lot of with Christmas movies is there's actually a twist in the story that you don't know you're getting. Um, and, yes. uh, but, Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, who is phenomenal as Klaus. Um, it is, I do believe it's pronounced Klaus. Yes, uh, you get you Rashida are. Jones, Joan Cusack, Norm MacDonald, oh, man, rest in peace. Um, yeah. Will Sasso, uh, and a bunch of other people who I don't know, but those names are all big for me. Um, I, I love Joan Cusack anyways. Um, I remember when it first came out, I was I was not super drawn to it at first. And then I, I was like, oh, well, it's Schwartzman. I love Schwartzman. And uh, obviously I also love Simmons, but Schwartzman, I, I'm just all in the bag on anytime he's, uh, especially if he's getting comedy and this character has the Schwartzman energy, right? He's a little, he's bitter. He's a little sarcastic. He's a little entitled and he's yeah. just really good in that zone. And man, this movie works. Um, I, I wasn't sure because uh, I, I watched it when it came out and I really liked it a lot. And I went back and I was really worried. I was like, man, I hope this, I hope this lands as much as it did the first time. And I was pleasantly surprised that it did. I, I will probably rewatch it this year. Um, I've only seen it twice, uh, but it's a movie that um, I know a lot of people saw because of Netflix, but I also know how Netflix tends to work and people forget things are there. Um, and that kills me with a great movie like this. I, I wanted to remind people uh, that it's there because it's not going to get played on TBS for 24 hours because it's a Netflix movie. So if you don't actively look it up to watch it, you might just forget about it and it deserves to be remembered. I think it deserves to be on that pantheon of uh, a movie we come back to year after year um, because it is quality and it hits the Christmas spirit, I think, real, real hard. And it's it's a Christmas origin story and it, uh, a, a non-religious Christmas christmas origin sorry i don't want to offend anyone um obviously christmas is centered around the birth of jesus for most people uh this is more about the birth of the christmas traditions of santa claus right um and i think it's uh it's worth checking out yeah it's it's everything i want in a christmas film it gives me that warm feeling john it's funny it makes me feel good there is a it's a little bit of creepy in there as well I'm I'm here for it, JB. Um, I haven't watched this one with my kid yet, but I feel like I might also um, put her onto this one this year as well because I think she'll dig nice. this. And I also, so I want too. to watch it as well. Uh, I have seen it. Um, I will just say that again. But like you, it's it's one I haven't revisited, and it, not for any reason other than I just ha I just haven't revisited. But uh, I'd like to watch one again this year. So maybe that'll be a pre-Christmas uh viewing jb but pretty solid list there and i would say there's so many more you've got your letter oh, yeah, so there. there's so many more kind of um, we've mentioned die hard for a joke of course but hey look we're who knows whether that is or isn't i think it is um people would put that in there there are so many classic like the santa claus the the dudley moore one um what's the guy called uh buzz like tim allen uh there's those films oh, Miracle on that. 34th yeah. street um, I mentioned Kurt Russell, Christmas Chronicle, and other Netflix films. There's so many that you could throw Matt, on there. I would love for you to do the same, make your own uh, letterbox list. Um, if will. you have some time, um, even if it, yeah, I even will. if it's late, we can always tweet it out or something. Um, because there are so many, and uh, like I, I'm my rankings. Well, most of the time when I rate a movie on Letterbox, it is like I think it's a must see movie or a quality movie. And Christmas movies get a different type of rating because some are just I may not like 
hold some of them up to like Citizen Kane, even though they both have five stars. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like, does it deliver what I'm looking for this time of year? Yes, this is a movie that makes me feel the magic of Christmas, which is something that I I really uh, will always be grateful for my mom really instilling in me is the magic of Christmas. Like I really do try to treat this time of year with a um, a special vibe, a special approach, right? And these movies yes. help uh, get me there. Yeah, and it, and it can be hard as well sometimes. Christmas, it's uh, for for many reasons for different people as well, and we also acknowledge that it's not everybody's favourite season. We get that as well. Um, mm-hmm. But if if a Christmas film can deliver anything, we hope it can deliver at least a little bit of warmth um, for everybody out there. And yeah, like you, I have to sometimes rate. I always rate films based on what they give me. I don't want to say a five star film is better than The Godfather Two or something like that because I've given it a different rating. No, this is what I felt at the time. Christmas films, they do they do need to be rated differently because I could give Gremlins a five, but I don't think I would, but I can give it a five. And there'll always be someone who says, well, hold on, you didn't, you only gave Oppenheimer a four and a half. It doesn't work like that, guy. It's just, it's about the feeling. So yeah, I will get one of those lists done, JB, and I'll get it over to you ASAP. Perfect. And we'll get that out to you listeners. Yes, sir. Uh, but yeah, good lists. Uh, always enjoy talking about Christmas films. We only get to do it for a few weeks a year. Yeah, which is why I thought we'd start with that. But now it's time to end the uh, concessions of a cinephile and move on to media consumption. This is movie, TV, video games, podcasts, etc. It's mostly going to be movies that we have uh, experienced to pass the time between recordings. Matt, what have you been consuming? Uh, I have been consuming. Uh, I've been listening to the Double Toasted podcast and the uh, YouTube channel. Again, watching the bad movie roast and listened to Nightmare on Film Street, where they uh, spoke about a Wes Craven film of which I've already forgotten what it's called. Uh, I also listened to the horror show talking about 30 Days of Nights. I've been listening to a few things, but uh, in terms of films, I've watched uh, a few new ones. Uh, one uh, via the cinema one via link and one via rental so i, I saw wish um oh. didn't see it with my kid yet but i saw it before oh. um because i i was i, I saw asked if you want to see it. i seemed a little bit kind of non-plus by it just by looking at the trailer but i might try again next week because it's not a very long film it clocks in about 90 minutes um i'm not gonna lie it's not a film i'll be rushing to see again because i think it's it's just okay uh but you know, it, that's coming from a thirty late thirty year old uh, guy's eyes. Um, I think Ariana Debo Ariana Debose is is good in it. I just I don't want to sound like that guy that is saying the same as everybody else, but which I never want to. But I have to. For me, it's just, it's just ho hum. There isn't the magic, the spark, the joy, the wonder. It's not there in this film, and that's what I expect from a Disney film. This is what the hundredth anniversary of Disney. I think they're, they're saying, and man, there's so many other, f- I would have been happy. If they just re-released one of the old classics instead and said to, to celebrate, we're going to do a marathon of the, the old classics because this doesn't stack up for me. Um, it's, it's, it's fine. It's okay. It's middling at best. It's it wasn't great. And I, and I take no joy in saying that as somebody who is a big fan of generally of traditionally of Disney films. Um, I watched, I saw next girl wins thanks to a link and, yeah, it's, it's still we still haven't got that great soccer film have we that great football film I didn't find it particularly funny some parts were some parts got me you know, there's a few lines there which really got me but again I, I just mm, 
There's something about it which just didn't grab me. And actually, that goes for the next film. I know, John, I think you thought the film was the same. But next girl wins. Taika Waititi, Michael Fassbender. Come on, Fassbender. It's good in the film, but oh, I, I want the Fassbender of like a decade ago when he was just smashing these uh, absolute belters out. Next girl wins is okay. It's 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 disappointing. I'd probably even go as far as to say it's not what I thought it was going to be. Same as Strange Way of Life. I think I rem- I think I remember this. Uh, only what it's only a short-ish film. I th- seem to remember you saying, JB, that you watched this and maybe expected more from certain elements of it. From Next Girl Wins, uh, Strange Way of Life, the Pedro oh, Pascal. Um, oh, one. okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I thought he he chickens out because you get yeah. these two big actors and they're gay lovers and they don't interact in any way that would feel gay, but the younger versions of them do. And it's like, oh, how do you get these two guys? And then they they won't do the scene. But like, you'll put them on the poster though, and and you'll market it as a as a gay film. But the uh the two leads uh, and I listen. I believe Ethan Hawke and Pedro Pascal would have been more than up for it because they are men yeah. of their craft, and if it, if it would have helped the narrative, and I'm with you on that. I think it's I think it's pretty good, um, mm-hmm. but I do think something's holding it back, and at the end, it kind of felt much to do about nothing. Really, it's not something I came away from feeling particularly enlightened or empowered or satisfied by. It's it's okay. So film wise this week it's been a man it's been a bit middling next girl wins i wasn't the biggest fan of didn't hate it yeah. i was a little bit disappointed by it. wish very similar it it just kind of i mean it it, it flew along nicely because it's not very long but nothing jumps out at me i wasn't taken by it. a strange way of life was good but it could have been more um so i'm pretty sure it was a pedro pascal meme as well uh so not the best week for films there's a few though that I know you've seen, one specifically, which I'm very, very excited to see next week. So I'm hoping, beyond all mm. hope, that next week my list is going to be a lot more positive. But that's pretty much me for this week, John, because I've had, uh, which I'll mention shortly, I've had a busy few days and a busy weekend. So I've only been able to see these films. But you, my man, have been as busy as. Yeah, I'm working through a lot of, of stuff. Um, if I wrote a review, I will I will mention that I wrote a review. Um, you can find that either at BerkReviews.com or Disappointment Media. Um, I will almost always rank things on Letterboxd, so at least with the star rating. So if you just want to kind of get my general thoughts, you can check that out. And I tend to post those onto Instagram stories, although I'm gonna, I am gonna—I haven't been great about that. I'm going to make a, an effort to, like, every time I log something, to post it on my Instagram so you can at least see my thoughts. Um, but I've watched Sanctuary, which is listed as a 2022 movie, but is in the neon box for this year, so it is eligible for awards this year. Um, I didn't know what that was. Wild movie. Um, dream scenario. Uh, honestly, one of my my more disappointed films of the year. I was really hyped for this, and it it really didn't work for me tonally. Oh, I was man. just like, I was annoyed. I think more than anything throughout oh, the film. I I don't. It's I don't like Nick Cage's character, and it's not the performance. I it, he's doing what he should be doing. It just like graded my my. The whole being, I was like, I want this to end. I don't want to be with this guy for the whole movie. And you're with the guy for the whole movie, which again, is kind of the point of the character, but it, it made it an unpleasant watch for me. So, um, didn't love it. Uh, okay. the peasants, which is one of those, um, it's a rotoscope film where it's all oil color over actual like actors. Uh, same people that did the, um, the Vincent van Gogh film that way a couple years ago, which I have never seen. Um, but it's supposed to be pretty good. Um, 
it was it's it's beautiful i i wasn't really like hooked into the story it's a period piece it didn't really grab me that way mm-hmm. um i got to see the iron claw we are under embargo for that still but my review will be up at burke reviews for that one uh godzilla minus one um I am sad to say for the CACF, it is not eligible for our awards because we, it was not screened for us, and that is ah. part of the requirements. And it would, I think it would easily lock in international and probably be up for Best Picture. Godzilla Minus One is one of the best movies I've seen this year, hands down. Oh, um, damn. It, it's it's so good. I, I usually, we might have reviewed it, um, but I... I really want to encourage everyone, if you can see it in a uh, in the theater, let let Japan know that American audiences will watch their movies uh, if we get the opportunity because it is so good, folks. As a, it's it's a great Godzilla movie, but it's a great movie. Like you care about the characters, there's emotions, there's stakes, you, there's growth. It's incredible in every way, and especially when I believe I have not fact checked this, but my understanding is it's a fifteen million dollar budget. It isn't a big budget, I know that. It it does not feel like it's a $15 million budget, and it puts to shame some of these $100 million, $200 million blockbusters. Uh, This movie looks incredible, especially with that budget. It's nuts. Um, Also, lots of Jaws in Godzilla Minus One that makes me as a fanatic of Jaws. I'm just like watching it going, they made this for me. Um, (laughs) So can't stress enough how great that movie is. Go see it. Um, Silent Night, the new John Woo film with um, what's his face? Yep, I don't remember his name. Rick Flag. Rick Flag. Oh, joking. That's it. Yeah, Silent Night sucks. It's real bad. It's real freaking bad. It's 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 so bad. This it's it's ninety minute movie. The middle thirty minutes is a a broken up training montage. That's not a montage. It's like literally like three minutes of him doing bad chin-ups and kettlebell routines. And it, it goes on for like 20 minutes. And then the very first thing that happens after all of 20 minutes of training is he gets his butt kicked. So the training was pointless. Like, Excellent. There's so much wrong with this movie. And uh, I don't know. Do you know the conceit of Silent Night? Why it's called I, Silent Night? I do now because I think we mentioned it on last week's show. And I, okay. I didn't know that. But it, I mean, yeah. It doesn't come I, out here until the 23rd of December, so I'm not going to rush to see it. a spoiler, but more so, like, his character gets shot in the throat in the first, like, three minutes. So it makes sense that he can't speak. It doesn't make sense that every other character in the movie doesn't speak, no, for the most no, part. There's no, no true no, dialogue. No. There's a few characters who exclaim something, but it's, like, even drowned out a little bit. But, like, there's some characters who words are said. But it most of the time just feels like an awkward, like, why did you choose to do this? Um, this is the second film this year that has done that, mind you. Uh, the other one works way better. Um, I forget the Caitlin Delver uh, Hulu. Oh, no one will save you. Yeah. Like, that conceit, there's a couple of moments where you're like, mm, they would have spoke there. This movie, it's like, they would be talking. There would be someone in the area talking. It makes no sense. Um, the action's not tremendous. It, it's a, you know, f- for John Woo's return, it is a huge disappointment. Um, caught Eileen. Uh, the uh, Thomas Mc- Thomas uh, ooh, Thomas uh, and Thomas McKenzie. Sin. Yes, I am. Um, I was struggling to, like, I was like, wait, where does the Mc- a sin part go? Um, and then uh, Anne Hathaway. It's an interesting movie. I don't know I how I feel about it. it. 
Um, it's it's interesting. Uh, I'm under embargo for the next thing, but Merry Little Batman is dropping on Amazon Prime this week. Uh, my review will be up at Disappointment Media. It is a 90 minute animated feature. Uh, going right to Prime. Um, Luke Wilson is the voice of Batman. Um, I forget the actor who's who's voicing Damian Wayne, uh, but he's a young actor. Um, James Cromwell is Alfred. Um, it's 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 a it's a kids cartoon like first and foremost it is meant for a younger audience but much like the lego batman movie there is a lot of batman references uh so fans like me who have seen all the batman movies maybe too many times you're gonna be like oh there's that is you're the leonardo dicaprio meme you're just pointing at the screen going there's the there's the phone from the adam west batman like it's stuff like that um i won't say if it's good or bad because that's the embargo i'm not even sure if i might have said too much it's whatever uh <laughs> the royal hotel i caught uh thanks to the neon book um good movie fallen leaves uh a foreign film i think i think german if i remember I correctly so. um it might be norwegian i can't remember it's something uh very quirky it, it sometimes i have a hard time getting tone when it's in a different language um because i'm not sure if it's like a cultural thing where like do people talk like that in their in their culture or is this a like yorgos lanthimos style characters say exactly what they're thinking and there's no like civility you know like like you're kind of ugly like you know what i'm saying like that like the lobster bluntness um and that my understanding is there is that kind of quirky tone in this movie and so it mostly worked for me and then i watched uh jonathan glazer's the zone of interest Ooh, okay what do you think it's i was well <clears throat> Man, it's it's a very hard film to articulate exactly how I feel, but there's a lot of there's a lot of yes, there's a lot of like art house avant garde stuff embedded in a very traditional looking film, um, but also not a traditional looking film because of how it is shot. the The camera work in it is uh, unique, intentionally. Um, the story is devastating uh, for interesting ways. Like it is, I. I I have talked about David Ehrlich a million times, um, but yeah. his review, he's, I don't always agree with him in terms of what he said, well written, though. but I am always so impressed with how he articulates. And I think this might be the pinnacle of that. His, his opening paragraph for his review of the zone of interest is a masterpiece of, of his talent. And I think he does a great job of explaining the power of the film. Um, and he only gave it four and a half stars out of five, mind you, which I think is, uh, it's always so shocking to me because he will rave about how great a film is. And I'm looking at like a three and a half star rating. I'm like, where does your five, like, how, how do you get a five from David Ehrlich? But, um, if, if I, man, uh, I was, it's a movie that I think sits with you, um, for a long time. It's afterward. a Glazer film. That's Jonathan yeah. Glazer all over. He doesn't do anything he, conventionally he, or by numbers. And I, I don't want to say what it is because I don't. I feel like I knew more than I was supposed to. I I wish I hadn't read the synopsis because I think the synopsis. I know nothing about it. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 I I don't want to say anything then. Um, one I've wanted to see because Under the Skin is like sensational. Holy crap! But it's it's a trick, and it abs- as is all as are all of his films will not be for everyone so when we say that oh, a lot yeah. but no. it is very much we it will have a vibe but will not um and, and i this do is what i've been looking skin. forward yeah so and scarjo so good um this is one of the ones i've been looking forward to this year to zone of interest because i know i'm either going to really be attracted to it 
or I'm just going to not like it. And that's, that's what I love about someone like Glazer. I, I like some of the things he's done, but I'm not a sicker fan who is going to rave about everything. Yeah. I could go, I could watch this and think, man, this is, this is high, high art crap. Or I could be saying up the opposite. And I can't wait to see it, my man. I will say, I think uh, the, the reviews I've read helped me kind of formulate my, my take on it, but okay. um, because there are things in it that I'm like, why, why that, why that? And I needed to read someone else's interpretation because I didn't have an answer and I don't know, I, obviously it's an interpretation, so I don't know for sure if uh, the people who I've read are getting what Glazier is going for, but I like their take enough that I'm like, okay, well that justifies that decision mm-hmm. in a way that I think elevates the film for me. Um, all right. So, and then uh, I haven't been playing too many other things, but I have been playing the new season of Speedstorm because we got Frozen Racers, Matt, which I mentioned to you, but it's you it's did. five. They dropped five new racers, all from Frozen. So basically all of the major characters from the first movie. Um, you got Kristoff, uh, Anna. I don't have Anna yet. She's the only one I don't have yet. Um, Elsa, uh, Olaf, and surprisingly, the, the guy who tries to marry Anna in the first movie, um, oh hans yeah the villain like and he he's they're, they're all pretty good and the the uh frozen themed tracks are awesome i really <laughs> like the frozen themed tracks um and uh, i don't know if you've noticed the but the the renditions of the the disney songs for the game that like they're a little bit like electronic like up tempo uh the the let it go version is is awesome like i i'm really vibing with that that song so uh yeah if you're not too burnt out on Frozen, Matt, I know you had a much different experience with that film than I did. Oh. I didn't have to rewatch it to the level that you did. That was um, COVID, the worst part about COVID. And I like uh, Frozen, and I like Frozen too. Oh, like, good movie. I think they're good films, but I, during COVID, I had to watch it. It, what one would finish, the other would go on, and then the, the same one would then go back on, and then the other one would go on, and it was yeah, it was like hell on earth. It was like the end of a Clockwork Orange. Just sat there with my eyes pinned open watching these things, but um, I I do like the films, and I'm and I haven't played sp- uh, the new Frozen version, uh, Fruit Tracks and Speedstorm, but I'm actually quite excited just to hear the the tunes now and kind of bop along as I'm driving. Yeah, I and that, that's a game I think would be a fun gateway game for uh, for Olivia too because yes. it's, it's Disney friendly and it's a lot of fun. Mario Kart's always fun, but that's our media consumption folks um i did watch a lot of movies again i'm not going to go into detail i probably talked more about each of them than i meant to but it's classic before we close the show before we say goodbye we have to check in to make sure we are staying bloody awesome so matt i need to know how were you staying bloody awesome this week well i've been getting into the festive spirit jp in different ways um my god i'm very excited to sit here what yours is about because i think i've got the wrong end of the stick already but um my <laughs> wow uh, i my work my company had their christmas party last thursday at a cocktail bar called the anthologist in bank in london just a nice part of london uh everything was laid on free bar all night wonderful um i i enjoy a lot of i enjoy some rum had a good evening there um good vibes good spirit kind of kicked off december and the festive season nicely uh it's christmas parties it's just fun have a dance have a good time and then on saturday uh similarly to i went to a festive themed uh event here in the uk it's quite trying to work out how to describe it it's called glow it's in a place called wisley it's this really nice um really nice uh vast gardens and it is a 
I don't really know how to explain it. It's a kind of a light show. It's a, tra- a trail where they um, light up these gardens in, in lights and uh, strobe lights and um, music, special effects and all that. I can't really explain much more than that. I mean, I didn't really put many pictures up, but uh, I, I, I've been trying to go for the last few years, but they're always sold out. It's always um, booked up early. So I thought, well, maybe I should do the same. So I booked it up early and went with a kid. Um, it went. We went about seven in the evening, and my God, it was the coldest night of the year by far. Oh, I think I caught a chill for the next two days. However, it was a lot of fun going around, seeing the cool lights, getting some cool pictures. It, it, a lot of it is there for, you know, photo opportunities. But it's so cool. It's a lovely garden, great scene setting. The lights they put on and the effort they do to make this thing look incredible is uh, is admirable. And I, it's, an, it's it's it ain't cheap. The amount, of, the amount they charged me for a mulled wine or a hot chocolate was uh, extortionate, but fine. But uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed that other than the cold. So yeah, Christmas party and then a Christmas light trail thing on Saturday evening. And then I've got a few more, few more things planned in the coming weeks to get further into the Christmas spirit, JB. But that's what I've been doing to stay bloody awesome. And I cannot wait to hear what yours is because I have got the wrong end of the stick. So- um, I mentioned that we went to this pioneer thing um, before we left for it. I'm looking at the list of activities. And one of the things that I see on the list is skunk hug. <laughs> and my wife loves animals and she has always thought skunks were so cute. And there's like tons of like TikTok videos of people who have like wildlife that maybe shouldn't be pets as pets. Right. And a skunk can be degland so they can't shoot the stinky stuff. Yes. And that's what this is. These are, uh, it's a, a rescue who this, this group of people, they, they rescue skunks. They have been degland and you, you pay $3 and the money goes to the organization and you get to sit in a chair and hold a skunk. Um, and I have seen my wife happy many, many times. <laughs> I knew this would be one of the biggest smiles I'd ever see on her face. And I was so, so right. Um, I had to buy a bag of uh, candied almonds to get changed so that she could go and, and <laughs> hold this gun. And my wife is among four children. Like, and I mean like eight or less who are currently doing this at this moment. So like, there's like five chairs. Uh, it's, four kids and then one of their parents is doing it and my wife's having to wait and she's waiting so <laughs> patiently but i can see on her face that she is like i need to she's hold ready. that skunk and there's multiple skunks there's like i think they had two albino skunks so like all white skunks and they had very traditional like pepe le pew black and white skunk and then a brown uh skunk with the white stripes um and she started oh. with the brown one got to hold the brown one and it's just huge grin just like she's so excited um i am not holding skunk i am eating a bag of candied almonds which i didn't know i liked as much as i do um it's one of those things i've always smelled like there every christmas season right there's the the candied nut guy in the mall and i'm like that smells good i don't want to pay six dollars for a bag of almonds or cashews or pecans that are basically just covered in sugar yes i did this so i could get cash to give her to hold the skunk um so I got the, the almonds. I ate the almonds. They were delicious. I'm watching and I am like, okay, I got to get pictures. So she got to not only hold the brown one, but then they also gave her the black and white skunk. And both times she was just so excited. I'm probably lucky that she didn't try to steal one. Um, <laughs> I was a little worried that she would just try to run with one uh, because 
like what are the other chances you're going to ever have one in your arms that you could take um and i also i'm not sure if she started looking to see if she could work for these people like i feel like it i might have accidentally stumbled upon something that will become a bigger part of our life but for the moment she's satisfied with just the hug and yeah it was it made the two basically a two and a half hour drive there and back total um so much money to get it was way more expensive to get into this thing than it should have been because we were only there for like an hour and a half uh we could have been there for like four hours but there was we had done everything in an hour and a half and i don't i didn't have endless money to keep letting her hug the skunks also at some point i feel like they would have been like lady you have to go home and (laughs) um uh but yeah so that's that's how i say bloody awesome was was getting to see my wife um overjoyed with holding a skunk um yeah it was great you are a a husband we'd all want to uh say was our own jb for the uh just for that story it's very i, I had a big grin on my face here and that the, the, how happy you were to see your wife's happiness and also because i'm glad it didn't mean what i thought it meant when i read the word skunk hug uh, yeah, I was. I'm curious. I don't want to know, but I'm guessing you thought maybe I got sprayed by a skunk. Well, but... I mean, I don't know about the US, but skunk is another word for cannabis in the United Kingdom. Oh, and I was like, oh my I god, mean, JB's had a warm hug from a smoke. I, uh, yeah, I, I guess it, it is a. It's a term used to describe like bad weed here in the states. Like skunky yeah. weed is is okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, we don't usually hear it just as skunk though. It's like skunky weed or Thank skunk. Goodness, weed. you had a much more. Also. I'm I'm also like not in that world, so maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. But you know, oh, whatever. Yeah, so I'm um, here, but don't advocate yeah. that whatsoever. But it's just out there in the zeitgeist, and I thought, yes, on earth has JB been doing? Um, that said, folks, that's our episode for this week. Uh, we talked Saltburn. We were going to have a spoiler episode drop in a couple of days. It hopefully will be a lot shorter than this one. Um, if everything goes well. We're going to be talking about the new Hao Miyazaki film, the first time ever, because th- he hasn't released one since we've been doing this podcast. Um, yeah. The Boy and the Heron uh, is going to be released in theaters. Um, it, I, I do have a theater I can go to. It is, it's not coming to, as of the moment. It's not listed to come to the mall that I live near, and it's so aggravating. But fortunately, it is coming to the uh, theater near where I work, and I will be able to see it there. Uh, so as far as I know, as long as Matt's able to see the boy and the heron, that is what we're going to be talking about on our next episode. Very much looking forward to it. I've been uh, trying to get through as many Miyazaki slash Ghibli films as possible. Just over the last few years, it's kind of like catch up on the watch list. So I'm very excited to kind of be there for the uh, like properly for the like the opening of a new film. I've seen all of Howe's films. I have not seen all of the Ghibli films, but I've seen all of Howe Miyazaki's films because okay. Blank Check okay. covered him a few years ago and you should listen to those episodes. They're great. Um <laughs> In the meantime, folks, you can follow us on social media. On Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. And on X, where can they find us, Matt? We are at B A M P underscore podcast, BAMP underscore podcast. Uh, you can still find us on Facebook if you just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. We are a Rotten Tomatoes approved podcast. So you can see our, I'm guessing, positive tick we're going to add to the percentages here for this film um, on the Tomato Meter. Individually, you can follow me at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, uk and just search What I Watched Tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen because it helps other people find the show. With that, 
we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood,